and then uh, and then he will pass away, and they will flush him down the toilet, and they will flush him down the toilet like they do all the other fish. Welcome to Star Wars Rant Podcast, Episode Eight. I am Brian Seddon, and I'm here with my good friends Chad Viss, greets, and Brian North. How you doing? All right, welcome aboard, guys. Thanks for uh, being on again tonight for an exciting episode eight. Brian missed uh, last week's episode; he was uh, in a wedding, so um, apparently that's more important than the podcast. I guess I don't understand that, but um, we're glad he's back. So. Um, we got some good things planned for you. Some new segments. We're, we're still trying to fine tune some of the things we do. And, um, obviously we're going to bring you, you know, the latest and greatest star Wars news, um, what's available. And then, uh, Chad's going to bring a segment tonight called searching the archives. It's going to be about, um, all the books of star Wars. And then, um, you know, it, it may even include some other things uh, down the road, but Searching the Archives is going to be a segment he brings. Brian uh, North is going to bring a Greatest Hits segment, and that's basically going to be, um, you know, different greatest moments. It could be of a character. It could be of a, um, you know, of a particular uh, story in within Star Wars, you know, the Empire Strikes Back movie or so on and so forth. So just kind of like the Greatest Hits. Um we're going to start a new segment by, uh, I'll be bringing it to you, Star Wars History. Um, you know, I started to dive into it a little bit um, at home and um, found some cool stuff. And I was like, you know what, this, this is, these are things that, you know, if you're into Star Wars, you probably want to hear. And um, so we're going to actually start with the Star Wars History um, timeline and kind of go through the beginning to, you know, to where we're at now and, you know, a little more about the world of Star Wars and the galaxy that they're living in and, and what's been going on there. So that's a new segment we'll have. Chad will bring you the uh, character spotlight each week um, where we spotlight a character. And then B-Nob, Brian North, will bring the question of the day. So those are the segments we're running with tonight. Uh, we may add some as podcasts go on, and, and uh, some of these may disappear if there's nothing there to talk about. But... Um, Always try to bring you some some good uh, some good info, some good content. Um, we've enjoyed doing the podcast. We're into our eighth episode, and uh, just want to make sure it stays fresh for you. So, that said, let's jump into some Star Wars news. So, there's not a whole lot going on in the uh, world of Star Wars, um, in in as far as news, but um, we talked about. The Rogue One pictures that came out, you know, probably a month or two ago. And, um, you know, one of them was a Death Trooper holding a Stormtrooper doll. Chad and Brian, you guys remember that picture? Yes. I do remember. So, um, that was one that stuck out to a lot of people because it's just, it's an odd picture. And if you haven't seen a Death Trooper, Stormtrooper basically, but he's in all black. um, And he's holding a traditional stormtrooper doll and um it's just kind of an odd scene and and you're wondering where would that fit into the movie well there's been some um some news that has come out um about that and i'm going to go ahead and read it to you this comes from um 
Star Wars News Net says um, says having been granted access to more behind the scene images, fan site StarWarsNews.net has come up with a different explanation of that image. Um, the image it says is most likely part of a flashback scene. So some this is a spoiler alert, but um, it definitely makes sense after hearing this. Fans speculate that Galen Erso, the father of uh, our hero, Jin Erso, may have played a key role in designing the Death Star. Um, the images appear to show a squad of black-clad stormtroopers or death troopers sent to kill him. Further footage seen by Star Wars New Net, News Net offers a brief glimpse of a young girl running. Next, the Death Troopers capture Galen, and among everything they find in his home place is his daughter's favorite toy, a Stormtrooper doll. Hmm. So, that would seem to fit the narrative of um, Galen Erso, obviously working for the Empire, and her, you know, Jin would have grown up probably admiring the Empire, and had a doll right i mean that that kind of makes sense and then when uh something happens there and um they begin to hunt him down to kill him and he flees and you know they they find that doll that uh, little little gin left behind interesting makes sense to you guys makes sense to me yeah so um i actually think it's it's uh it's a guy's it, her dad is just like us He's a guy that's uh, upper twenties, thirties that collects action figures, and he made it look like it was hers, so he wouldn't be embarrassed. That's right, and we all know the Death Trooper is going to take it home. Yeah, and put it on and his put shelf. Put it up on his uh, shelf. Nerd. <laughs> all right. Um, so we got that. Um, one other bit of news: um, we all saw the Star Wars Rogue One trailer the other week in China. They released a, a another version of that. It had a lot of the same shots. Um, it had a couple extra ones that they didn't show in the, the R version that we saw. But there was um, an additional scene where Diego Luna's character says to Jin, your father um, basically reached out to us about the Death Star, gave you know, is telling us where we can find these plans. Hmm. Um, so that's something that they didn't show in the uh, trailers here. It's kind of a again another spoiler, but I think we all assumed yeah. that's where the movie was going. So not not a huge spoiler, but it's kind of interesting that they did let that fly in that uh, that trailer. Um, so uh, next I, thing I have for you, sorry, yeah, can I? I have one news thing, if I may. Okay, you may. Um, as you know, I do the the video game podcast, and there is a big video game conference in Cologne, Germany, this week. And the PlayStation Virtual Reality headset has a VR-specific mission for Star Wars Battlefront on the PlayStation 4, which will be a mission from Rogue One. So if you own Battlefront, the Star Wars game on the PlayStation 4, and you buy the PSVR, you will be able to play this mission. Um, I don't know a lot of the details about what it is, but I've heard people that um, have pre-ordered it that have played it while they're saying this has keep this has made them keep their pre-order for the PlayStation VR. Maybe they're thinking about canceling it. There's not a whole lot of games coming out for it, and they tried this mission, and they're they it it's so good that it made them want to keep their their pre-order. So hmm. it's a specific mission from Rogue One. 
Um, I say it's like a flying mission. I think it's start. Yeah, I think or? it's an X-wing type mission that okay. you do, and supposedly it's real, real good. Well, I don't have a PS4. Well, you're you know there are people that listen that might, <laughs> and maybe they want to know about it. Well, no, I'm I'm just bitter. Is oh, okay. what I'm getting at. In that so, case, are you gonna get it then? You know, I I want to get it eventually anyway. Um, I don't have one pre-ordered at the moment, and they're all sold out up to this point, so it'd be something I'd get down the road. But it's definitely the on VR my radar. The VR is sold out. What's that? The, v, the VR is sold out? Correct. Yeah. You can, What's it called again? PlayStation VR. PlayStation VR. Yep. All right. No, that's cool. Um, I do wish I had a, a PS4, but I don't. I have an Xbox One. Buyer's remorse. <laughs> so... Um, and I have a Wii U, so, but I had, do have some uh, news myself. Some of you who like to uh, – I, I know some people like to collect uh, different things that come out from the movies. And Empire Magazine did release a cover, uh, which includes characters from Rogue One. So if you are somebody who collects magazines um, and different things when they come out for the movies, you might want to check a local store near you for Empire Magazine and their exclusive content coming out in the next few weeks on Rogue One. Very good, and we'll end the new segment with this. Um, and I, I got to start listing my sources, but I don't have the source on this, so I apologize. But admit it, you've wanted to engage in a lightsaber duel ever since you first star saw Star Wars. Soon, that fantasy could come to life. Minus, thankfully, the whole severed hand thing. It says uh, if a patent application filed by disney enterprises turns out to be what it appears to be disney is building a 14 acre star wars theme parks at disney world and disneyland and its application last month for an audience interaction projection system suggests that it plans to give visitors to the new parks a chance to operate what will look feel and behave like real life lightsabers huh says uh, how it, it works is described in the patent's abstract. So here we go. It's kind of probably a little wordy, but a process and system capture infrared light that is reflected or emitted from a device to precisely locate the device. The process and system project visible light from a light source toward the device such that the light is precisely targeted at the device. Preferably the visible light passes through an atmosphere containing particle matter rendering the visible light as a beam that appears to emanate from the device rather than from the light source. So, in uh, modern vernacular, visitors will walk into a theater where the air is filled with some particulate matter, so it's some type of mist or fog, I would, you know, um, assume, and will be given an LED beaming lightsaber that transmits infrared light. Small drones flying above you or stationary objects like disco balls shoot out beams of light that, like your lightsaber's LED beams, are visible due to the particulate matter in the air. When your lightsaber's IR rays intersect the light from the objects above you, it creates the illusion of deflecting a laser beam. Hmm. The lightsabers also could be designed to provide a um, haptic effect such as a pulse or vibration when the beams intersect. Um, Pat and Yogi reported to allow users to really feel the force, um, but even if this is what Disney has in mind, the entertainment giant isn't ready to fully disclose any details. So, I mean, if anybody can make a lightsaber, 
or as close to a lightsaber as possible, it would be Disney. Um, and that is pretty stinking cool. I don't know about you guys, but uh, that makes me want to someday get down to uh, Disney and check out the Star Wars land once they get that all finished. Yeah, that sounds fun. Yep, so um, so that's the news. Not a whole lot going on in the Star Wars world um, at this minute. Uh, so let's go ahead and move on to our next segment. Mr. Chad Viss, Searching the Archives. Yeah. So there is, there are things. There is things, which is not right grammar. There are things going on in the Star Wars universe. The comic books, guys. Um, so Searching the Archives is going to be a segment where I pull something out of said archives, printed words on papers um, to talk about from the Star Wars universe, whether they be the you know the novels and or the comic books. And Darth Vader number 24 came out last Wednesday, uh, so a week and a couple days ago as of this podcast being up. And whether you know or not, Darth Vader number 25 is actually going to be the last one they do for this series. So it's coming to a close, and... The art in it was real good, and it gave us an inside look to Anakin, a.k.a. Darth Vader's mind and his psyche that we have not seen um, up to this point. Uh, Brian, did you get a chance to read this one yet? I did not. I am uh, I am not caught up on Vader. I have them all. Okay. Um, and I actually, because it's been a while since I've read um, them, I had to start from the beginning just to refresh, refresh my memory yeah. what what was going on. So, yeah. So, it's basically what is kind of to give you a backstory just briefly on what's happening so you kind of understand where we are to a point. I'm not going to give everything. There's this doctor um, that was found by Palpatine back during while he was still a senator. And his name is Silo, C Y L O. And he is really into cybernetic enhancements um, for humans and people and beings. And he thinks that's the way that evolution will continue is for, through cybernetics. So he has created for himself additional bodies. Um, and he gives himself numbers. And at this point where we meet him in the comics, he is Silo 4. Meaning he has died three times before this, and every time he dies, his consciousness transfers to a new host. It's another. It looks just like him, always has, but it somehow he's figured out how to do that. Okay, so that's a thing. So this doctor, <laughs> this this doctor, uh, he gets closer to Palpatine as Palpatine becomes the Empire or the Emperor. Rather, he has him doing experiments with subjects. And Silo is has created a couple, not Jedi Jedi, so a couple humanoid creatures. They both look human. They're not human race, but they look it. And they have cybernetic enhancements to where they can wield a lightsaber proficiently. Um, and they can do amazing things without the use of the Force. Um, so, but do these, and I'm sorry no, to cut you fine. off, do these uh, beings he created or whatever... They're previously living. Yeah, people? they're they're people. Okay. They're alive, and I don't know whether it was volunteer or not. But they have enhancements, and they're still conscious. They're still in control of themselves. It's not like they're being mind, you know, brainwashed or anything. But 
they're taught how to use a lightsaber, which we know you don't have to be a Jedi to use a lightsaber or a Sith. Uh, Grievous used one fairly well. And basically, the emp- Emperor is is using this program for a fallback in case Vader fails again. Once Vader failed at Yavin and was, you know, the Death Star was destroyed, um, Palpatine puts a lot of that onto Vader um, and doesn't really trust him. And then later in the comics, the, the rebels destroy a weapons cache on a different planet that Vader was supposed to stop and he was not able to do. And so Palpatine is giving this silo doctor a, a little bit of room to create a couple beings that may be able to contest Vader. And, you know, if Vader fails, kind of fill his spot. Well, he didn't tell Vader about this. And so Vader finds out, as Vader always finds out. And so without approaching the Emperor himself, he kind of goes off on his own. He hires um, the Wookiee Black Carsantin. Black Carsantin. He's a fairly well-known Wookiee. Um, he was, he's got big scars. I think he might only have one arm. Um, but he's a... Uh, he's, he's the same one in the Star Wars comic. Right? Yeah, he's the, the bounty Star hunter. Wars. Right. Yeah. So he send, Vader hires him to find Dr. Kylo, or Silo, um, and he does. He finds his base, and Vader confronts him on his base. And basically, he gets the C-3PO bad guy variant, Triple Zero, to interrogate Silo to find out where these two beings are. Triple Zero ends up killing him, and so now we have Silo 5 wakes up on his base after Silo 4 is, or Kylo 4 is, tortured to death. But they find out where his base is, and Vader heads there. Vader gets there. He sees these two people that have the lightsabers, and they're yellow, and they have these abilities. And the Emperor ends up being there at some point as well. And basically, the Vader finds out and calls him out on the carpet for it. And the Emperor says, this is a test. You know, you're you're never safe with me. It's all I'm always looking for whoever's the best. I don't care if you're Darth Vader or not. And he basically makes them fight each other. And Vader kills the... the There's a woman and a man. He kills a woman fairly easily. Um, the doctor tries to run. He's on a spaceship, uh, like a big one. Tries to run. Vader hunts him down. He's on the outside of the ship, Vader is. And I'm cutting a lot out, but to get to the main point. Vader's on the outside of the ship. He sends the, the male-enhanced person out there. He goes out there in a spacesuit because he doesn't have force abilities to slow his breathing and be able to be outside and vader obviously has his own suit and they have a little battle and he thinks he defeats vader and of course vader just destroys him so he gets inside to where dr kylo is dr silo however you say it and as he's approaching him dr silo is a cybernetics you know doctor he's well enhanced he knows how to do things and if as we know vader is half machine at this point and so vader approaches him basically threatening him telling him his time is up and doctor pulls out a little button pushes it and vader is just frozen like he can't move he is basically emp'd darth vader and he forces vader to his knees and puts his hand on his helmet and just is like you know standing there gloating over the fact that i am now in control of vader uh he, he actually says vader is no longer a threat and as that happens, it goes the the comic panel zooms into his eye, 
into Vader's eye, and then all of a sudden it pans back out, and it's Anakin's bloodshot yellow eyes from Mustafar. And it shows him laying limbless, except for one arm, on the on the you know the ash with the lava behind him, and it shows Obi Wan yelling, "You were the chosen one." He says, "I loved you, Anakin," and Anakin shouts, "You're alive!" Wait, can we can we have uh, B knob? Can you please just do the honors? <laughs> Not planned. And Anakin shouts, and this is this is off script. So some these are things that didn't happen in the movie. Uh, but this is from the way it is shown. This is Vader going through this in his mind, and he's going to have a battle here. And Anakin shouts, "You're a liar and a coward!" And it shows Obi Wan turning to him, and Anakin says, "If you loved me, Obi Wan, you would have killed me." And so Obi Wan picks him up over his head, and he says, "You wanted this, Anakin," and he throws him in the lava. He said, "Would this have been better?" And it shows his face, kind of Terminator Two style, sinking down into the lava. And then a black-gloved hand comes out of the lava. And he says, yes, it would have. And then he rises out as lava's dripping off Vader's helmet. He says, yes, it would have for you. And then it fast-forwards. They're still on Mustafar. Anakin, or Obi-Wan says, if you strike me down, I'll become more powerful than you can imagine. And Vader cuts through him. And he says, I need not imagine being more powerful. I am more powerful with every step I take away from you. And then it shows someone in the distance yelling no, screaming no. And you look, and it's Anakin. Hmm. So Vader is there. Young Anakin? Well, Anakin from uh, Revenge of the Sith. Okay. He's standing with his blue lightsaber and his black tunic, and he says, you killed him. And he jumps down at Vader, and they have a lightsaber battle. Vader and Anakin are fighting each other. So it's obviously this is I the way I perceive it is this is happening inside Vader's head at this moment. Sure, he is fighting his dual personality. Anakin's flipping over top of him. They're fighting each other, and then Vader puts his hand out, and a force catches him in midair, and then pulls him down. And he says, "How could you do this?" Anakin says that, and he slashes him with his lightsaber. Says, "You were a child." To Anakin, Vader says says, I am well accustomed to killing children, and throws him down the embankment into the lava, goes back to kind of the same picture where he's in the lava, and he yells, I hate you, and then a hand, a cybernetic hand comes up that Anakin had after it was, you know, after he lost it to Dooku, and it claws at the dust as Vader walks away. And then you see a pregnant Padme say, turn back, Annie, Stay with me. And it shows Anakin standing, or shows Vader standing there, fire billowing everywhere, and a pregnant Padme standing behind him. And Vader says, No. And she says, Anakin, you don't need to go. It can be over. You know you don't want to leave. And as it does, as she says that, it shows Vader on the table that he rises from when Palpatine yeah. makes him that, but he's chained. There are chains around his neck, there are chains around his arms and his legs, and he's chained to this table. And she whispers in his ear, stay. And then she starts to choke, and she says, Annie, and she gasps. And then it goes back to, finally, Dr. Silo standing there looking at him, looking at Vader, who is motionless on his knees. And then it goes back to showing Padme choking, and she's becoming more transparent. She's choking, and he's sitting there in on that table chained up goes back to silo he has this grin on his face she gasps one last time and he says no 
But then when he says no, Dr. Silo hears him say no, and he's startled by the movement. And Vader says, Anakin is dead. And Silo says, you're still deactivated. How? He says, I killed him. And he breaks the chains as he says that. And Dr. Silo says, impossible. And he stands up and he shoves a lightsaber right through his chest. And he says, nothing is impossible for the Force. And that's kind of where his whole, Vader's whole story, I mean, it goes for a couple more panels there. But I think that's the point. I mean, if you watch Rebels and you see Vader fight uh, Ahsoka, Ahsoka, he says yeah. Anakin is dead. And I think, obviously, this is now canon. This is a point that we've not seen. Um, and I think it's cool that it's in a comic because we have pictures to go along with it. Um, but it shows Vader, the part of Anakin that is still there. And we found out at the end of Jedi, a sliver of good is still there and Luke brings it back. But it shows the battle that he had with himself, even at that point, and the hatred and the anger and the suffering that he uses to break himself free, the dark side he uses to break himself free of, basically an EMP thing that could have been his end, breaks free from it because of that feeling that he has, those feelings that he has in his battle in his mind against himself and frees himself and kills that guy. Just after reading that and seeing that, I'm like, man, that's cool. That's a cool insight to his battle that he has where he feels like he killed his old self off, finally, probably. So I would recommend if you could get this comic on its own, and regardless of what the story is before, enjoy it. Um, I would recommend going and looking for Darth Vader number 24 and picking that up and going through it yourself. Yeah, no, sounds good. So there's one more after that, and Correct. that's... Uh... That's it, and then um, and I know I know the Star Wars takes place in between the Star Wars comic takes place in between A New Hope and Empire. Yeah, um, when's when's the Vader's it runs the same concurrently? Timeline? Yep, it runs. Okay. They they will be they are the same. The Vader in the Star Wars comics is the same timeline as this comic here. Okay, so they run right next to each other. Cool. Yeah, no. When you're reading that, the part where. Um, but you were saying he he's told Obi Wan that he should have just killed him, right? Um, you know, almost made me like get a feeling that he, yeah, he didn't want to be alive. You know, yeah. at at that minute, that yeah, moment. there's a part of him that wishes, you it's know, just been over. Yeah, just just kill me already. But then, but then he turns got, that into hatred. got over that really quick. It'd yeah. have been better for you, right? Yeah. So, no, that's cool. Very cool. All right, good stuff. Um, so that's a new segment that we got, and um, yeah, it's going to include comics and, and regular books from print. And I'm telling you guys, if you're not reading the comics, there's there's a lot of good stuff in there, and it's all canon now. Brian North, I need you to start reading the comics. I, see, I did that one kind of for Brian, too. I thought that would be something yeah. you would really enjoy. I was captivated. You are. Chad, you can just read me to sleep at night. I, I was captivated <laughs> there. Uh, and just so you guys know, when... Uh, when Chad was kind of reading some of the lines that we're familiar with from uh, Revenge of the Sith, one day, maybe we can get him to do it, Brian North, just before we started the podcast, went on like this, uh, I mean, it was a whole script he was going, by memory, you know, that scene from uh, from Revenge of the Sith when they're on Mustafar. He was mouthing the um, words as I read them out loud. <laughs> I had this sister growing up. 
who Hatch. challenged me as a Star Wars fan. So when I got Revenge of the Sith on the DVD as a sixth grader, I uh, she made me watch it every day for 30 days to oh prove that word. I was a Star Wars fan. So I watched that movie every day, start to finish for 30 days. <laughs> wow. So I have a lot of that dialogue embedded in my brain. That's impressive. Most impressive. So... All right, so moving right along, um, another news segment, The Greatest Hits with B-Nob. Uh, everybody who knows anything about music knows that a musician, after they come out with a few albums and they kind of run out of steam a little bit and they want to come up with a little thing to make some extra cash, uh, they come up with their Greatest Hits album. Uh, which is just a variation of the greatest songs that they feel like is has made the most impact to people. So I wanted to make a greatest hits segment towards those characters and those moments of Star Wars that are greatest hits moments, those moments that we love the most about Star Wars. Uh, tonight's uh, greatest hits we decided to dedicate towards R2-D2 uh, because of the recent passing of the great Kenny Baker, the man inside the machine. R2-D2 over the years and our condolences go out to his family and friends that were close to him and his great contribution to the Star Wars universe as the great droid R2-D2. So tonight, fellas, as our greatest hits moments, we are going to dwell into our favorite moments from our favorite droid, the original OG droid R2-D2. So Chad, if you want to start us off, your favorite greatest hit moment for R2-D2. There are so many. He is, as we've mentioned before, he's like the hero of the story. Um, and I'll probably, not to steal someone else's, I'll take one that may not be way up. It may not even be something people would think about. But when R2 and C-3PO are bought by Uncle Owen, um, they've crashed on Tatooine and they have picked up by the Jawas. The Jawas sell them. And then the red one blows up, and so they buy the blue one. And as they go back in, they're sitting down in there, and Luke's cleaning them up. He's scrubbing on R2 there in between some of the the scorching that they've seen. They tell them they've been in some battles. And then, I forget exactly how it goes, but to the point to the discussion between C-3PO and R2, where R2 talks, and he says, and C-3PO says, no. He doesn't like you. I don't think he likes you very much. And R2 does the sad little brr brr, and he's like, no, I don't like you either. And just the whole back and forth, and that's, again, that's not a huge moment, but for me, it's it's a part, I'm like, man, these two droids have seen a lot together. We don't know what it is at this point, but they've been through a lot together. And the, the same way that I tell Brian Seddon that I don't like him very much and call him names, and make fun of him because we're best friends. Right? Remember that, Brian? That's that's why I do wow. those things. <laughs> exactly. See? And I think just to see that relationship that is there um, between C-3PO and R2-D2 is one of the greatest moments when I think of R2-D2 and the time that he had. Well, I think R2-D2 is kind of cool, speaking of that, because back at the end of Revenge of the Sith... Bail Organa only tells them to have C-3PO's mind wiped, which Mm. means everything that went on the prequels, all those personal moments between Anakin and Padme, 
all those things between Luke and Yoda, that little droid has all that information that he kind of keeps to himself as the trilogy goes on, even all the way up into The Force Awakens where he keeps Luke's uh, location hidden until the proper time. So he's the man who holds all the secrets, but my favorite R2-D2 moment uh, has to be where in Revenge of the Sith, kind of a funny moment where he always can stand up for himself, but he kind of is getting kicked around by a couple super battle droids and he spills the oil all over them and then catches them on fire. Pretty sadistic as a droid, but <laughs> he's, uh, he's capable of handling himself. And as we know, you like uh, sadistic things. I mean, so you do lean to the the darker things. Oh, but, dark uh, side, I get it. Dark side, yeah. Um, so I'm going to cheat, right? I'm going to say three. Can I say three of them? I'm just going to sure, go ahead. Matter. All right, so here we go. Because these are three things that come to my mind when I think about R2-D2. One is obviously when he um, – Star Wars A New Hope, when he projects Princess Leia, right, as she's looking for Obi-Wan. I mean, it's an iconic moment. Um, you know, it's a great still shot when you see that shot of the film. And it just, you know, it kicks off Star Wars. Um, another one for me would be on Return of the Jedi when they're on Jabba's barge near the Scarlack pits. And he, uh, you know, Luke Skywalker dives off the diving board and jumps back up and but right before that, yeah, he gave the little salute to R2, and R2 opened his little vent hole and shot the uh, lightsaber up in the air, which I thought that was cool because obviously that was pre-planned, and I would have loved to have seen that somewhere where they're <laughs> Luke's talking to R2. Okay, here's the deal. <laughs> I'm going to jump off, right? But before I do, I'm going to give you a salute. And then you should, you know what I mean? It's just kind of cool that they yeah. thought about that. Um, that's something that I always thought about when I was a kid. And then the last one would be same same movie, Return of the Jedi, when uh, R2 shocks that little thing that's always by Jabba. I no. can't remember that thing's name, but that thing was so annoying. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so like when he shot him or uh, shocked him, that that was a favorite moment of mine. Salacious um, Crumb is his name. There you go. And then in in the comics, when uh, in the Darth Vader comic, I think it is. Yeah, I think it is. I think this is issue one or two. Uh, Vader goes and visits Jabba, and Salacious Crumb laughs, and Vader's like, tell that thing, or if that thing ever does that again, I'm going to kill it or something <laughs> like that. So, <laughs> so, That's awesome. Um, so anyways, those are my three, you know, when I think about R2, those are three things that come to mind. I'm sure, you know, you could we could sit here and have a whole podcast of all of them. So there you go. That's my top moments. Greatest hits. Next thing, Brian, Star Wars History. Star Wars History. So like I said, I was sitting at home um, and uh, just started to dive into some of the galaxy. And, and actually the way it started was um, I, I got the book Tarkin from the library. I'm yeah. trying to obey Chad and read some more of the Star Wars books. And um <laughs> I got on the first page, and then I started to want to look things up online. So yeah. still on the first page, but you're still uh, on the first page now. Yeah. Oh yeah, my yeah. word. Because then I got stuck on this, and now I have like ADHD or something. I can't <laughs> focus on one thing. I'm so illiterate. That's I why I don't to, read them. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to start like, man, you know, I really want to understand, like, I know, you know, I know American history. I know how, you know, our country is founded and I know, you know, even beyond that, I know our world history and things like that. So I was like, man, I, I really should like start kind of learning some of the Star Wars history. And, um, so I, uh, found obviously, um, uh, Wikipedia, um, the go-to source and timeline of galactic history. And it's a great resource when you look at it. It gives the whole timeline and you can select canon or you could select legends. And obviously we just care about canon um, at this point. But um, it starts off um, it starts off a millennia before the Battle of Yavin. So just so you know, you know the Battle of Yavin is a new hope. But that's that's uh, they start they mark that as an event, and um, as you go through the timeline, you start to see, you know how we have, um, you know B.C. and A.D. You know the Battle of Yavin is something that they mark as a time B-O-Y. marker and, and judge events. Yeah. So um, and then the other cool thing on the site is you can um, everything's linked. So if they name an event, you can click on that event and find out more about that event so it starts off um it's pre-clone wars um it's a millennia before the battle of yavin and the very first thing that happens um and we're just going to break down a little bit of this and then each week we'll we'll get further along so um so one of the first thing that happens this is a millennia before the battle of yavin one or more ancestral species unlocks the secret of hyperspace travel and opens the galaxy for exploration. Hmm. So, makes sense. You got to have a way to uh, to travel through this galaxy. Hyperspace allows you to travel um, very long distance in a short period of time. But and they're kind of like uh, wormholes almost. Um, and you have to find these these hyperspace uh, tunnels or whatever they call it. Um, and, uh, but they unlock the, the secrets of hyperspace travel. The next thing is the Zillow beasts are believed to be extinct. What is a Zillow beast? And I don't know if I'm saying that right, but that's what we're going to call it. The Zillow beast, sometimes referred to simply as the beast, was a semi-sentient reptilian species um, endemic to the planet Malastare. This gargantuan creature was believed to have long been extinct by the Dugs during the Battle of Malastare. However, the last specimen alive was inadvertently unearthed by an electro-proton bomb used by the Galactic Republic. Palpatine sought to use the Zillow Beast's indestructible hide to aid the Grand Army of the Republic. Shortly after the creature was brought to Coruscant for study, however, it broke free from its restraints and rampaged through the capital. In the end, the Jedi and the Republic Army were left with no other choice but to kill the Zillow Beast using a powerful toxin. It was then revealed that after the creature was killed, Palpatine ordered the Zillow Beast to be cloned. Hmm. So, um, then we go to Force Sensitives gather to form the Jedi Order. Um, and I think we all know what the Jedi Order is, correct? Um, but... Uh, and then, uh, so four sensitives gather to form the Jedi Order. Um, they're dedicated to the preservation of peace and justice, obviously. obviously. The world, Lilum, comes into their possession. You guys ever heard of that world before in Star Wars? 
No. No. Okay, I don't know if I'm saying it correctly. It's pronounced, or it's uh, spelled L-L-U-M. And this says, uh, this is from Jedi Padawan Ahsoka. Um, says, there is no place more sacred to the Jedi. And that was regarding Lum's, is what I'm going to call it, crystal caves. So Lum was an Arctic planet located in the unknown region. It was used by the Jedi Order for the gathering which is a rite of passage in which Jedi younglings must find and harvest kyber crystals for their lightsabers. So at what, so, at what point in the, does it give you like years timeline still at this point? So or this started a millennia before Yavin, where is this Millennia before Yavin. All of this happens in that time? All of this, yeah. I apologize, I don't have, you know, the well, I didn't, dates. Yeah, no, I didn't know yeah. if they gave that or if it was just, over the passage of time type stuff. And it came to pass, as it were. Right. No. Um, so it was a millennia before the Battle of Yavin. And then, um, and uh, you know, uh, let me see if I can get this going here. It would be interesting to see these, especially now that they're going to um, get more into the history of the Jedi, especially with Luke at the old Jedi temples on Ahch Mm-hmm. In episode eight, and also the uh, that planet Jetta in Rogue One, where it has where we've seen already in photos how they're collecting the Kyber crystals from Jetta, which they even said in reports for Rogue One that that's going to have a lot of old Jedi significance on that planet. So I know you're naming a lot of old planets, but I would love to see how those old planets factor into the history of the Jedi and how they came to form the Temple on Coruscant. Yeah, and you're right, and and um, and so what's interesting is too is some of this timeline as canon is redeveloped, and I guess you could say mm-hmm. some of it will probably change. Right, and um, and yeah, I thought of when I read it. Let me finish reading about Sorry, this planet, yeah. and then I'll give a quick thought. The planet Lum was situated in the Lum system, a star system located in a region of the unknown regions known as the Seven G sector. Lum was an Arctic world, that is, the entire planet was covered in ice and snow and was therefore inhospitable to most species. Hidden beneath Lum's frigid surface is what came to be known as the Crystal Caves. Within the maze-like Crystal Caves grew kyber crystals, which brought the Jedi Order to Lum so they could harvest the crystals in a rite of passage known as the Gathering, in which Jedi initiates harvested their crystals by attuning themselves to the Force. Um, But I did think of Jedha when I read that because, um, you know, Jedha is now the Mecca of the Force. And from what we kind of gather, the Empire is occupying Jedha and Rogue One to harvest kyber crystals, um, is what I'm gathering, to power um, the weapon on the the Death Star is what what one would assume. So, um, so anyway, kind of interesting. Um, next, it says an unidentified rogue Jedi is born. So, who is this rogue Jedi? Well, we don't know. So, uh, <laughs> so glad you asked. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So here we go. Thousands of years before the Clone Wars, a rogue Jedi studied the forbidden arts of the dark side of the Force and was exiled from the Jedi Order. He and his followers sparked the period of time known as the Hundred Year Darkness from which the Sith were born. Since uh, thousands of years before the Clone Wars, this male was a member of the Jedi Order 
At some point, he began studying the forbidden teachings of the dark side of the Force and believed that the true potential of Jedi involved tapping into the dark side as opposed to embracing the contemplation and passivity of the light side. The Jedi High Council, upset by the beliefs of this rogue Jedi, exiled him from the Jedi Order. The Dark Jedi gained a number of followers, and their actions led to a formation of the Sith, an order born during the Hundred Year Darkness. The Sith became the mortal enemies of the Jedi Order. Hmm. Um, so, that's all I wanted to go through today. Next week, stay tuned. We will talk about the Hundred Years of Darkness. We'll talk about uh, slavery um, within the Sith Empire. We'll talk about a Sith shrine on Coruscant um, and, and some others. And... We'll do a quick review um, of what we've taught, so in case you know you need to be prepared for a pop quiz, and um, we'll try to give you some source material for uh, where um, where these things are referenced, right? So, for instance, the Sith Shrine. Okay, if you want to get ahead of the class, uh, it's referenced in the book Tarkin. Apparently, probably um, on the first page, right? Because yeah, and that's you know. Um, <laughs> So uh, the um, Lum, by the way, just finally got the uh, the interwebs working here. Al Gore had to uh, start spinning on the bicycle to get the uh, Internet going. Oh. Um, is that a good joke? Yeah. Does it make sense? Do you understand good? that? Yeah. Brian shaking Only 90 head. kids right. will understand this. Yeah. <laughs> um, Lum, the planet was referenced in Star Wars, The Clone Wars, The Gathering. Um, that episode, and then also the Clone Wars, a test of strength in that episode. Um, and then it has multiple references in different Star Wars encyclopedias. Hmm. So, um, probably need to brush up on my Clone Wars. There you go. That's your Star Wars history. Any questions? No? I have lots, but that's okay. Good, because I probably don't have the answers. (laughs) Um, all right, let's move on to character spotlight. Okay, character spotlight is for me this week, right? I'm just doing this week. I'm not doing every week, right? Like this is your baby. No, got it. This is yeah, yeah. Turning into guard. I don't. This too much work. It's it's a job. This stupid. Okay, so this week, Admiral Akbar. Anybody know Admiral Akbar's actual first name? I actually saw it. Arnold uh, the other day. Mm, no, almost. not Arnold. Guile. Um, Guile Almost from like Street, Fighter. Street Fighter. It's G I A L though. Guile. Guile Akbar. Guile. So we we all know Admiral Akbar from his famous line in Jedi. I mean, he said a lot more, but his famous line is "It's a trap." And it's a trap. Yep. There's that was the soundboard of that. Thank you for playing that, Brian. Yeah. Um, so Admiral Akbar. Who is Admiral Akbar? We see him in Jedi. That's his first appearance in the movies. Um, but he started off as captain um, of the Mon Calamari Guard. So his home world is Mon Cala. Okay. Uh, he was born 50 years before Yavin. His species, real clever, Mon Calamari. Uh? Huh? Um, he's 1.8 meters tall. Because you know it's the metric system. Yeah, and stupid, his eye stupid metric system. <laughs> it's like the entire world, but America. But it's dumb. Yeah, they're they're dumb. Um, the eye color is orange. So those are his main things. Uh, they are a amphibious type 
um, species. They in some of the books, most recently, um, was it Lost Star? No, the most recent Aftermath book. The ships that they're on, the starships that they're on, actually have a higher humidity level on the ship for them. And when the outsiders come in, like humans will come onto the ship, it's like oppressively humid. But that helps them breathe because they are from a mostly water planet. Um, so they, and that's sometimes they talk about how his voice is grovelly, but that's because it's dry and he's not used to the dry air. So I, th- I thought it was all the Marlboros. The Marlboros, yeah, that could be too. Yeah. That could be too. It's possible. I'm sure that was a problem a long time ago. So, he first served as captain of the Mon Calamari Guard, protecting um, and counseling the, the, basically the king-to-be, whose his name was Prince. He was a prince. His name was Lee Shar. And this all happens in the Clone Wars cartoon, um, where they show Akbar kind of being like his main protector and also his counselor. Um, there's some civil war that happens on Mon Cal. Moncala between them and another species that the Empire kind of incites. Um, but he fought against the Separatists during the Clone Wars. Um, that was kind of where he started with his whole military career. Uh, then eventually, after fighting with the Separatists, in uh, he is present during uh, Episode 4. Not in the movie he's not, but he is part of the military command. After episode four, in the book I'm currently reading, Heir to the Jedi, he actually sends Luke on some scouting missions and some secret missions um, for the Rebellion, and those come directly from Akbar to Luke. Um, and then as they go out sending scouts um, and spying in, in an Imperial meeting, that's where Wedge is caught in canon. So he sends Luke out, he also sends Wedge and Tilly's out. Um, and this, let's see here, get my timeline here. Um, episode 6, so Return of the Jedi. We see him in the movie. He leads the great, you know, assault on the Death Star. Um, he almost turns back. Lando talks him into staying because his buddy Han is going to get that shield generator down. We can't leave. Right. So Akbar stays. They win. Um, Admiral Akbar is... Uh, basically promoted to i forget the title they give him but it's grand admiral or something like that so after return of the jedi he sends obviously the empire is is destroyed but there's still factions out there as we've talked about with the books he says he sends wedge on a secret mission they hear they hear about an imperial meeting that's supposed to be happening sends wedge out wedge gets captured um but he gets out a distress signal and they bring in um a big I don't know what he, not a platoon, but a, a lot battalion? of ships, battalion, maybe for the navy, and they as a, they had as an ROTC. Okay, they sorry, <laughs> they, <laughs> they save wedge and deal the the remaining part of the empire a, a big blow, and then one year after Endor, uh, Akbar leads the final victory that they they feel the final victory against the empire at Jakku. And he is there during that battle and kind of the, the final blow, what they perceive to be the final blow, uh, to the Empire. Shortly after that battle of Jakku, um, Akbar retires from the military. He goes home to Mancala. And 23 years after his retirement, Leia coaxes Admiral Akbar out of retirement to join the Resistance. 
Now, in the C-3PO one-shot comic, C-3PO tells the other droids that Admiral Akbar has been captured by the First Order. The the artwork sucked in that comic, The artwork did suck. But Admiral Akbar, who was not in the comic, just mentioned, was captured by the First Order. And C-3PO and this other droid have this other droid that they captured from the Empire or the Resistance First Order, I guess. The First Order has this information. They get it from him. They tell Poe. Poe goes save him. That's all we know about that part of it. But he does get captured between coming back and helping Leia and Episode 7. Um, he is on Dakar with Leia during the attack on Starkiller Base, as we saw. And that's kind of where he is. So he's an old old fish man at this point in his life. He's led a lot of victories. They've had some defeats. He was captured. What happened during that time, we don't know. Um, but Admiral Akbar, one of the great leaders of the Rebellion, the Alliance, and the Resistance, is our character spotlight for the week. Yeah, very good. That was a good one. Two things. One, it's it's an armada, actually, oh, I you. think. Uh, the ships, yeah. Yeah, that makes the sense. mass quantity stuff. Yep. And then two... I would venture to say we see him die in the next uh, the next Star Wars hmm. episode eight. Sure, he's gone. His shit will will his ship explode, and you will just be led to be like, oh, he's dead because he was on that ship that blew up, or will well, they show him being killed? Well, um, if I heard if I've heard rumors, is there's a possible attack on one of the resistant bases and. Leia gets caught in the crossfires, so that maybe he may be a possible. If that rumor is true, and the first order does he'd attack be there with her, yeah. I think maybe. first though he yells. I think first he yells, "It was a trap," and then right. jumps in front of Leia. It's I told you it was a trap. <laughs> it was a trap. Damn it! So. <laughs> you know, my ten-year-old son really wants to dies. listen to this he podcast. Pass away, and I'm going to have to tell him no. And they will flush him down the toilet. Oh, I'm sorry. And they will flush him down I'll, the toilet like it. they do all the other fish. <laughs> have a little funeral for him with a little box. I mean, he is right. 1.8 meters tall. How tall is he's that? He's just going to the hospital. That's what we're going to tell all the kids. Brian's going to tell <laughs> all his kids just going to the hospital. And then and then they will do it. So that brings yeah. us to the question of the day. He's 10. He's 5 feet 11 inches tall. <laughs> Stupid metric system. <laughs> um, All right, question of the day. Let's go, man. Question what is of the it? day. And this is going to blow all you's minds out there in the galaxy. But if you had your choice, Chad Viss, Brian Seddon, for your own Star Wars story, you get to—you are the one that gets to pick the character for the next Star Wars story. Who would you choose, and what story would you want to be, have told? Well, what are they doing already? They're doing Boba Fett and Obi Wan, right? Han Solo. Where Han Solo? Are they doing an Obi Wan? Wasn't announced. They haven't said. All right, I'll let you guys go first. <laughs> Chad. Chad. Oh gosh. Um, I want, I mean, kind of like what Brian was, I was thinking when Brian was giving us the history, I want to know what happened here. And I'm thinking, well, maybe a book's a good place for that. But that hundred years darkness, I want to see maybe the founding of the Jedi Order. Who are the founding, who are the founding members of the Jedi Order? Who are, who are those first Jedi? Either that story or 
the Sith origins. I want to see, I want to see that play out. I want to see how, how does this rogue Jedi, where does he all of a sudden go, oh, there's another side to this coin. Let me explore that. And then how does he find, learn these things? How does that develop? How does that contention start between the Jedi and the Sith? I think that would be brand new characters. No one we know, all new but the origins of the Force being discovered by sentient beings and actually using it uh, either for good or for evil. I think that would be a fascinating story to tell. All right, Brian, do you want to go next or are you still passing? Um, okay, okay. I like Chad's idea. I think that's really good. Um, there's a lot of history there, but I'm going to go a different route. I'm going to say uh, from Star Wars Rebels, uh, Kanan. Mm. Um, I could see them doing something with him. He's still, you know, we don't know if he's going to live or die. Um, but, um, you know, hopefully they let him live and then maybe we can see something about him. Where would but the I, story I be told? Would it be a after the Rebel seasons when they're done with that? I mean, he's... Assumedly, you know, he's human, so he's in like his what third, early thirties at this point, teaching Ezra, right. and they kind of told his Padawan story in the comics yeah, already. Got that. So, what happens um, between him or with him after Rebels before he is gone? Well, that's what, and I guess we we'll have to see where Rebels goes. Right. But uh, um, I just think he's a good character, and I, I guess you could throw a side note in there, Ezra. Sure, you know, yeah, that would be um, interesting. But uh, I, I think, um, yeah, I don't know. Because I don't know how they're going to connect them into the Star Wars film universe. Um, but I think those are two two people that, two characters that are worthy of um, a story. So, and it, you're right, Chad. Probably easier to do someone like Ezra because he is younger mm. um, versus Kanan. But uh, I, I think they're pretty pretty cool characters the both of them so all right from my star wars story i'm gonna go back to the olden days like chad and i want to go a thousand years before the phantom menace and i'm gonna go with an yoda origin story uh Mm. that places him Mm. right around the same time that they right after the great sith war which they kind of touch on in the knights of the old republic series um, and they and they come together to, to form the Republic. That's kind of where Yoda's timeline fits in, where he's kind of young. So to kind of see that that type of era where you guys said not maybe the creation of the Sith, but maybe their demise as a large body and going down to the rule of two, um, and mm-hmm. Yoda coming to play and kind of seeing where how you always want to see where somebody that wise where his young beginnings were and how he was in his youth was he always as wise as he was or was he that wise cracking yoda that we saw on dagobah on episode five well if they did a yoda you know you know um what sith character we'd get right darth bane which would be very cool yeah you'll see uh as we do the star wars history he was actually the one that started the rule of two so so is he is he canon or legends he is canon okay. um, because he was in uh, 
Clone Wars? I think they showed him in Clone Wars, okay. one of the uh, on the final season. Actually, Yoda ends up, um, I guess you could say, being tempted mm. by his like spirit, mm. um, Darth Bane's spirit. I know. Um, yeah, interesting. I know Carter. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I would say once once they did that, then then he was canon. So, and but he's credited for starting the the rule of two. Okay. So, my son got some books from the library, and he is a huge Star Wars fan. He was actually quizzing my wife in the vehicle the other day, and she was saying, "Well, you know, the prequels better because he's younger, and that's kind of where he started." You know the prequels better than the original trilogy. My wife's a big Star Wars fan. She's saying, I know the original trilogy better than you. And he goes, ask me any question. Any question you want, and I bet I know it. And I bet I know it probably more than you do. And so she asked him, I think she asked him about the bounty hunters in Empire. And he's like, I can name every single one of them. Can you, Mom? And she, well, Boba Fett. <laughs> and that's like as far as she got. And she is a Star Wars fan as far as she yeah. got. And he went through and named IG-88 and Dengar and Bosk, and she's like, okay, my 10-year-old son knows a lot about Star Wars. And so he got some books at the library, one's about Yoda, and I'm, sh- I'm sure it's probably not canon anymore. Um, but it said that he didn't actually know he had Force powers until he was what they would consider middle age for him. Obviously, he lives very, very long. but so About so like 450? Four, right, 400 years <laughs> old or something. But yeah. that's what this book, and I didn't read it to confirm it, just what he told me, that he didn't actually even know he had Force abilities until he was what would be considered middle, middle age, which that would be interesting to know. Like if they did it, and I think that's a great, man, that'd be a great movie to do. Which is kind of ironic because when they brought Anakin in as a 10-year-old, he's saying he's too, too old. old. Right, exactly, which maybe. He knows all the struggles he went through, and it was difficult. So that would be a great story to know. He also told Luke he was too old, too, well, which he, kind of funny, yeah. which he obviously was. Right. He, he did it twice. Um, all right, well, good deal. So uh, that's going to wrap up this uh, podcast, Star Wars Ramp Podcast Episode 8. Um, thanks for coming along with us. Join us next week as we dive into more of these topics. Um, follow us on Twitter at Star Wars Rants. Anyway, call us. I don't know the number. Go to the website. We never update uh, at Star or was it Star Wars Rant dot com? <laughs> oh, this is great. First class and, uh, all the way. First class all the way. Anyway, we thank you for joining us. Come back. Visit us again next week, um, and we'll see you then. Bye. You are the chosen one, Anakin. I loved you. It's the best thing. <laughs> I hate you. You were the chosen one. They said that you would destroy the Sith, not join them. Bring balance to the Force, not bring it to darkness.